This is a glorious Sunday in the life of Calvary Bible Church, a Sunday that many of us have been anticipating for many years. It's a Sunday when we ordain some new pastor leaders for our assembly, a day when we focus on the precious gift it is to be a church, to be an assembly for Jesus Christ, to be part of a universal church, a collection of all born-again believers from every corner of the globe, and to see what that means for us biblically to be such a uh, called-out group of believers called a church, and what it means for servant leaders who are called apart by God and recognized by God's people to be servant leaders in such an assembly as ours, what our responsibilities are as a congregation as well. And so as we come to that whole theme and soon a formal ceremony of ordination of three of our men, I want to just look very quickly at four metaphors that the New Testament gives for the church. Four things that the New Testament compares the church of Jesus Christ to being. That would be a point of comparison with all of believers collected in the world at any given time, the universal church, of which this is but one expression. This Calvary Bible Church is one expression, a localized expression of the church of Jesus Christ. And when we look at what Scripture says, what metaphors are selected by the Holy Spirit to talk about the church... The first one I want to point out to you, of course, is the uh, body and the bride of Christ. We are, let's focus on the bride. In Revelation 22, verse 17, the scene is future in the eternal state, the new heaven and the new earth that will be coming, where we'll be with Christ as his born-again children uh, forever and ever and ever. In that scene in Revelation 22, verse 17, and it says this, and the Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit and the bride... Say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. So, here in the seen future of the eternal state, the discernible grouping of believers in Jesus Christ, the church, is still referenced as the bride. Now, when you think about the church of Jesus Christ being the bride, of course, that makes the Lord Jesus the bridegroom. He's our bridegroom, and collectively, we are his bride. Now, what we think of a human bride, there are many wonderful things to think about when we think of a human bride, but surely among those things are purity. A bride is to be pure, so is the church. A bride is to be ready, anticipating her wedding day, her ceremony when she will be wed to her beloved husband. The church of Jesus Christ should be ready for his return at any moment. No biblical prophecy is yet to be fulfilled before the Lord Jesus Christ could come back as our bridegroom for us as his bride. Purity, readiness, submission. A human bride is to be submitted to God and be submitted to her husband and the bride of Christ, the church, us, you and me, we are to be submitted to Jesus Christ in everything. The second metaphor that I'd like to briefly touch upon this morning is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is one of the other comparisons in Scripture for the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet, that he, referring to God the Father, put all things in subjection under his, that is Jesus Christ's feet, and gave him, that is Christ, as head over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If the bride of Christ metaphor points to the Jesus Christ being our bridegroom, then the body of Christ metaphor points to Jesus Christ being the head of the body, uh, the controlling one of the rest of the body, the head. Jesus Christ is the head of his body, which is the church. And being compared to the body of Christ as a church surely involves functionality. Uh, Our bodies have many complex systems that work together in harmony and concert with each other for us to see, think, feel, hear, walk, so on. Our heart beats, our respiratory system works, and all these different things work together in functionality to be a human being. And when the church of Jesus Christ is compared to a body, the body of Christ, it is assuming that we have functionality. We are many parts but one body. We have different spiritual gifts but one purpose. We come together and complement each other, work together, not against each other. We are a body of Christ. We have functionality. We also are the body of Christ in that we, you and me, the church, we are his hands on earth right now. We are his feet on earth right now. We are his heart on earth right now. That's what it means to be Christ's body, the church. But as human bodies are capable of reproduction, the body of Christ is to be reproductive. We are to be sharing the gospel, the good news that Christ has died for sins and arisen from the dead. We're to be sharing that as our message with prayer, power, and love far and wide. And so that God would bring about spiritual reproduction. Babes in Christ would come into this assembly and be nurtured and helped and loved and taught, mentored, to become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. So to review, the bride is one metaphor. Christ is the bridegroom, and we are to be pure, ready, and submitted. The body of Christ is a second metaphor for the church. We are to be functioning. We are to be the hands and feet of Christ on earth and the heart, and we are to make disciples, fully committed followers of Christ. The third metaphor is that the church of Jesus Christ is the temple or is God's household. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, we read, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints that are of the house, God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together is growing into a temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God, the Holy Spirit. We as a church, and the church, is compared to being God's household. That means that we're family. That means that we're a visible witness in Nassau and through our, t- our missionaries to the other corners of the earth. To be God's household means that we are worshipers. We come to worship together in a corporate, collective way, Sunday by Sunday, like we're doing right now. It's a wonderful thing. And so the metaphor of the bride, the metaphor of the body, the metaphor of God's household, and the fourth and last metaphor I would like to visit with you about very briefly is that we are called a flock. We are called a flock. In 
1 Peter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. God calls this church and God calls the church a flock. A flock is made up of sheep, and sheep are a needy animal. Uh, Sheep need a shepherd. And the flock of God, the church, has the ultimate and supreme good shepherd. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for the flock. You know, a cowboy goes from behind the cattle and drives them forward. A shepherd doesn't do that. A shepherd goes ahead of the flock of sheep, guarding them, leading them, providing for them, caring for them, watching out for them. And this morning, in just a few minutes, we're going to publicly ordain three new under-shepherds for this flock called Calvary Bible Church. And so, of course, if we are the flock and the scriptures say that we are, then Christ is our shepherd. Christ is our great shepherd. Christ is our good shepherd. And all human pastors like myself and others ordained to pastoral ministry, we are under-shepherds. Why? Because there's one good shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ over the flock. And the under-shepherds like me and the others in our assembly who are pastors, we are under-shepherds to him. We answer to him. And we too are sheep. And we need his good shepherding. And so sheep are dependent creatures. I'm told that if you don't shear the wool off them often enough and they flip over and they're in the rain, they'll drown in their own lungs. Filling with fluid. So a downcast sheep is a sheep that has been flipped over and can't get back up on her own feet. Sheep are dependent creatures. They need a shepherd's 24-hour-a-day care and love. And so do God's people, the flock of God. But sheep are also a following creature. They are not blazing a trail, intentionally at least. They are, they are happy to follow a good shepherd who will be watching out for them. May we be such a flock. And last, for a sheep to have any length of lifespan, a sheep needs to learn to obey the shepherd. In fact, I'm told that sometimes shepherds take the drastic measure with a headstrong sheep that will not obey of breaking the sheep's leg so that it can't toddle off and do dangerous things. And then the shepherd nurses that sheep's leg back to health and the sheep sometimes learns the lesson of needed obedience. So this morning, this ordination uh, Sunday worship service, let us remember together that this church, every Bible-believing and teaching church, the church worldwide, the redeemed of the Lord, the church is the bride of Christ to be pure, ready, and submitted The church is the body of Christ to be functioning, to be Christ's hands and heart on earth, to make disciples. The church is the household of God, a family. We call each other brother and sister. We're a visible witness in this community or the community that your particular local churches are at. We're a visible witness, and we are worshipers We come together each Lord's Day to publicly, corporately, collectively worship the Savior. 
who has made us to be a flock is our good shepherd, worthy of our dependence, worthy of our following, and worthy of our obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these metaphors. May we live up to them in the power of the Spirit and for the glory of Christ's name. We pray this together in Jesus' name. And the flock said, amen. This is a special uh, Sunday's service of ordination, as I have said. We're going to read a central passage in the uh, New Testament on the biblical qualifications of an elder, the biblical qualifications of a pastor. And so would you stand with me as we read uh, this in unison, please? So let us read this together. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. We may be seated. There has been a special ordination training class that has been offered. I'm going to tell you more about that class shortly, but I'd like to ask the seven men who have completed the ordination class to please join me now on the platform. These who are moving have been in the ordination class with me. Wonderful. These uh, seven men have worked hard. I'd like to tell you a bit of the process. Um, well, first of all, let me, let me introduce them to you. We have uh, Craig Knowles, Randy Pierce, Anthon Wallace, Thaddeus Pierce, Nathan Sawyer, Michael Roker, and Drew Fowler. Give them a hand. <laughs> I would be remiss not to mention that Chris Cartwright has been in our class right till almost the very end. And then as he became a father, he necessarily backed away from some of the studies. But I think that in the future, he will complete the class. He's indicated a desire to do that. But Chris, would you stand that we could acknowledge all your hard work? Here's what has taken place. 
that you may be unaware of. A little over three and a half years ago, the pastoral board prayerfully looked at the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7 that we have just read in unison, and prayerfully we identified some men and chose and asked them to be part of an ordination class with the view that as the Lord would provide and lead and confirm that they would be prepared to be future pastors of Calvary Bible Church. And the eight men, with Chris, eight, the eight men that I've identified were chosen. For three and a half years, um, I taught these men um, about every third Monday night for three and a half years. We took a little longer break around uh, the summer. So for three and a half years, they came to class having done reading, homework. There were four books they were required to purchase. Uh, one was a reference book on uh, Bible knowledge and synthetic understanding of how Scripture fits together. One was a book on the philosophy of ministry, another book on the philosophy of pastoring, and the fourth book on theology, systematic theology. And these were thick books and, and weighty books, and I assigned the reading to the eight men. And I'm just so proud of them in the Lord that they did their readings, they kept up with it, there was a lot of reading between classes, but the reason I know they did their reading was I never lectured in these classes. I called the men together and I said, let's take up the homework reading. And I'd say, Dr. Ryrie, chapters 14 to 15, and the discussion would ensue. Uh, the men had read the books, the men had thought through the books, the men had questions and comments about the books, and that was how every class went. And you can be very... Uh, grateful along with me that these men took those responsibilities extremely seriously. And uh, in fact, I think we should congratulate their reading. At the end of the three and a half years of class training, uh, we offered each of the men an opportunity to be orally examined by three pastors of our assembly. Uh, what that meant was that on a Saturday, they would come and meet with myself and two other Calvary pastors, and they would be quizzed uh, from memory on certain things that we thought important for them to understand and remember. And uh, these were individual oral exams, two hours in duration for each man. And I'm very pleased to say that although there were three possible outcomes that the men knew about, uh, pass without qualification, pass with qualification, meaning they needed to study further in a particular area, or failure, fail, all seven of the men who took the oral exams passed without any qualification. So what's going to happen next? Well, three of these brothers are going to be ordained to pastoral ministry in our assembly this service right now. Three, namely Nathan, Michael, and Drew, are going to become pastors in training, which means that for at least one year, they are going to sit in on our pastoral board meetings and shadow some of us pastors as we do our pastoral work. And then after a year at least, we as a board will evaluate if we would think it appropriate to ordain them to be pastors in our assembly or not, and they will come to their own conclusions as they finish up that time of being a pastor in training. Um, Thaddeus is reserving the right to think about this a little further, and uh, as he 
is led of the Lord. He th- I think he said that he'd be probably interested in the future to become a pastor in training, but right now he's newly married, and he's also being wise about uh, spending time with Christina. So that's where everybody is at. And what I'd like to do right now is ask the chairman of our pastoral board, Pastor Errol Farkason, and our vice chairman, Pastor Wenley Fowler, to come with the certificates to present to all of these seven who have completed the ordination class. Board men, uh, congratulations for us. Uh, what Craig knows. <laughs> Brother Randall Pierce. Brother Anton Wallace. Nathan Sawyer. As we continue, we have Thaddeus Pierce. Michael Roker. One alias, Drew Fowler. We're going to dismiss the uh, brothers who will not be ordained uh, formally this morning and ask those that are remaining to come and join me in the pulpit, if you would, please. And I'd ask the current pastors to come and join us in the pulpit, please. There's a genius in the plan and design of God as portrayed in his word that there's a multiplicity of elders in every assembly. It's not just one pastor who leads, but it's, uh, there's safety in numbers and there's wisdom and uh, perspective and, and uh, counsel with one another in the word of God. So I'm just, again, so grateful for the already uh, ordained amongst us and those that will soon be ordained in this service. I wanted to point out to you that uh, there is a partnership between the local church and the pastors of that local church. Uh, We need each other, and we learn from each other, and we serve together, and we pray together. And so I just want to start by saying that what we'll be doing in the next few minutes is bringing a biblical charge to the men being ordained. But after that happens, there'll be a biblical charge to you as a church family, because we're partners. And we all need to make some promises this morning. The men being ordained need to make some promises to God and to all of you. And you need to make some promises to God and to all of them. 
So before we get into the biblical charges for the pastors and then the congregation, I have a greeting from our senior pastor emeritus, Alan Lee. Praise the Lord for this momentous day. Three of our own young men separated to the Lord's work after being nurtured and mentored in-house. To God be the glory. May their tribe increase. I so regret not being able to attend the service today, but both medical and immigration complications make this impossible. I rejoice with the pastoral board and members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary today and this magnificent accomplishment lovingly encourage you to both imitate and to obey those whom God has placed among you and over you and the Lord as they faithfully labor in your midst for the glory of God. To those so appointed, I simply re-echo the charge of the apostle to the church, preach the word, watch yourself, guard the flock of God, and together wait with anticipation for the return of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Selah. That was the last part of the message. (laughs) Selah. We love Pastor and Mrs. Lee and trust that they will be in good health in 2020. And so we begin with some charges being conveyed to the men who are being ordained. And I'm going to ask the pastors to circle around this a little closer so they can read when they need to read. And um, Pastor Aubrey, I'll let you begin. Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so together we ask the men being ordained, will you pray? I will. will. Thank you. Pastor Fowler will read next. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I met or set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastors, will you equip? I will. will. Pastor Cartwright will next come and read. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17, the first portion. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls, 
as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The second portion is Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. And verse 2, bear with one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And so the question, young man, will you watch souls? I will. I will. Pastor Farkasen will come to read next. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. So pastors, I ask you, will you God? I will. I will. Pastor Sawyer will read next. Reading from First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for the solid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Will you be examples? I will. I will. Praise the Lord. And so these are the charges from God's word to the men being ordained as pastors in our assembly this morning. And now we turn to you as our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I invite you all to stand, please. As the men were given five biblical charges, so will you as a church family be given five biblical charges. Your response, please, will be for each, we will. And so we begin with uh, Pastor Worrell reading. The reading will be from Hebrews chapter 13, 
verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Will you pray? We will. I will read next. Uh, Pastor Rogers was to read next, but he broke his arm. And so he is not home. He is home, excuse me, with a broken arm. So pray for him. And I should also mention that Pastor Arnett is not amongst us for the ceremony because he's off of the island. But the next charge for you as the congregation comes from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Will you submit? Pastor Brian. Reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 26. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the manner of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as ye see the day drawing. And so the question for your brothers and sisters in Christ is will you attend? Wonderful. Pastor Springle reads next. A reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Will you, will you serve? Wonderful. Praise the Lord. And then the last charge to you as a church family comes from Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The question is, will you promote unity? Praise the Lord. At this time, I'd invite the three wives of our three ordained men tonight, this morning to come forward and join their husbands, Marissa and Jennifer and Anita. As the women are making their way to join us on the platform, I just want to point out that um, in seminary, they told me that my wife, our wives, would either make or break us in ministry. And it's very true. 
These are godly women. These are praying women. These are women who have a heart to serve Jesus Christ in this assembly with other women, children. And uh, we thank the Lord for these wonderful wives that are going to be sharing their husband's time with lots of us. My um, mother-in-law now in heaven, Beth's mother, um, she set a whole tone in the family that when Beth's daddy, who was a pastor, had to go and minister in some situation, she never had, I can't believe dad has to go out again attitude. Instead, she would say, children, let's pray for your daddy. He's going to the hospital to visit Mrs. So-and-so to pray with her after a car accident or whatever the case was. And so these wives will also serve to set a tone in their homes of uh, servitude, uh, prayer, love for others, and of course will be that support that each of their respective husbands uh, need as they venture into new areas of ministry as pastors in our assembly. So ladies, we thank the Lord for you very much. Um, so what we're going to do next is if you would remain standing as a picture of your solidarity with these prayers, we are going to lay hands upon uh, these three men and their wives and formally set the men apart for Christ's ministry in our assembly. So we'll pass the mic around for those who uh, will be praying so you can hear. But let's all be in an attitude of prayer uh, as we commit these. So let's lay hands on these couples and let's go to prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this incredible moment. We thank you for having called these men to yourself first. And then you have prepared them. You have gifted them. For these we are eternally grateful. And now, Lord, we know that they can do nothing without you. We know now that this is a new beginning as they commit themselves fully to your ministry. You are indeed the Lord of the word, and they will also, Father, be faithful to the word of the Lord. And so we commend them to you, and we do this in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. Fathers, we celebrate this wonderful time that you've allowed us to experience within Calvary Bible Church. We just bring these men their wives and their families before you, that you would watch over, protect, and guide them. Pray that you should provide them your comfort and your peace. May they be filled with wisdom and your discernment. May they serve your people well. May they see themselves as conduits of your love wherever you send them. Oh, Father, may they shine as lights in a dark world that, are in desperate, that is in desperate need of a savior. But above all, Lord, may you be glorified in and through them as we place them solely in your hands, for only you can watch over and protect them. We just pray for your covering. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for this great honor. We thank you for these men who have presented themselves to serve you in this local assembly. Today, Lord, we praise you for all that you have done, is doing, and will continue to do. Lord, give them your wisdom. 
the spirit of discernment, the courage and the boldness, the conviction that accompanies that. We ask that with their wives, they would submit to each other out of reverence for you, that they would seek to honor you and bring glory to your precious name. We give you thanks, Lord, for a wonderful day today. Thank you for what you are going to do through these men and, by extension, their wives. So we bless you this morning for this wonderful ceremony, and we give you thanks for all that you're going to accomplish. We thank you for each of these men, for what they mean to us and to this assembly. Do a mighty work in and through these men. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way in the hearts of these men, and that you alone would be glorified from all that is said and done. We commit them to you as they commit themselves to you. In Jesus' name. Indeed, we thank and praise you for the Church of Jesus Christ and for this local expression of it. We thank you for your faithfulness to raise up servant leaders to pastor your people. We recognize, Lord, the parents of these and Sunday school teachers and former pastors as they've sat under the word of God and taken it to heart. We give you the glory. We pray, Heavenly Father, that these couples whose lives are set apart for your possession and use would exhibit holiness, servitude, would grow in grace and in the knowledge of their Lord and Savior. We pray for these precious couples to have a good testimony where they live, where they do business, where they parent, and where they serve with their brothers and sisters in this assembly. We pray, Lord, for a sweet humility that mimics the Lord Jesus Christ's humility for these men and their wives. We pray that there would be a sense that they know themselves to be teachable in need of greater understanding from the Word of God. Lord, we do pray that each man would have courage of conviction to stand on the principles of the Word of God without apology and to be unswayed by those around and in our culture that would call for other things. Courage of conviction, Lord. May your word be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. May they spend that quality time in the word with themselves and with their spouses. We pray you build their faith, Lord, their ability and inclination to trust you. Heighten their obedience. May they be quick to obey you as couples. We pray for their prayer lives to be rich and constant. Thank you that you will do that. And then we thank you for your word. We thank you that this church has been founded upon the word of God with Christ as the foundation stone since day one. And we would just pray that your word would take a preeminent place in the pastors being ordained in their wives' hearts, in their family altars, and Lord, may the word of God take its rightful place in our lives as brothers and sisters. 
Lord, we know that there's a watching and a perishing world that looks upon this assembly and takes lessons about what they think Jesus is like. Oh, may the lesson be true to the word. May the lesson be consistent. May they look upon our love for Jesus Christ, the Bible, and each other and say, these are legit people. These are real followers of Jesus. The Lord, again, as has been prayed, we rejoice in this provision that you've given to us this morning. We praise you for these gentlemen and their wives, and we ask you to bless them and keep them and to use them for your honor, your purpose, and your glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. And the church said, Amen. 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 We're going to hand out some certificates here. These are ordination certificates. And uh, let's see. There you are. Congratulations, Pastor Pierce. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations, Pastor Noel. <laughs> and... Congratulations, Pastor Anthony.